you doing? How you feeling? How you living? Thanks for joining me today. It's your girl, Akua, your host for Dem Coins Podcast, where we help millennials of faith gain clarity on what they truly value, manage and increase their income, and crush their financial goals. And today's special guest is Miss Jasmine Paul, and we're going to be talking about finances with the youngin, entrepreneurship, publishing books, and so much more. Well, hello, amazing people. I hope everyone is doing well. It's, um, hmm, happy March. Um, there's a lot going on right now. And I am not, you know, a mental health professional. I'm not a therapist. I'm not a nothing. But I will advise for you to, you know, take care of your mental health in these times. And I also want to encourage everyone, again, go back and look at those, you know, financial goals. And I encourage everyone not to make decisions based off of fear, right? If you decide you want to pivot in your plan after um, some careful diagnosis and, you know, you just decide you want to make a change, that's cool. But I hope you are not being motivated by, by fear to quickly sell your assets or, um, to quickly buy certain assets off of some hype or whatever it is, you know, just to be mindful of some of those triggers that we know that many of us have, right? Keep your eye on the prize. We are playing the long game, right? We are playing for generational wealth ultimately. And, you know, that's why I'm so, so, so excited to have this guest that we have today, Miss Jasmine Paul. Jasmine is the founder of The Wealth Playground. It's a financial literacy consulting firm making wealth fun. Her award-winning children's book, A Boy, A Budget, and a Dream, offers goal-setting, budgeting, and life skill lessons to help kids and their families learn about money. Her love for entrepreneurship was sparked as a young woman as she watched her grandmother run a successful seamstress business, and she became a shampoo girl in her aunt's hair salon. As a certified financial education instructor, money wellness leader, and a financial professional, she hopes to empower youth and adults to have healthy money conversations early and often. During the day, she serves as an officer in the United States Armed Forces. She believes if we all dream big, run after purpose, and love our neighbor, the world would be a better place. And without further ado, let's get into this interview. All right. Well, welcome, Dem Coins family. We have a very special guest today, Miss Jasmine Paul. Hello. Hello. <laughs> thank you so much for having me. Yes. And thank you so much for coming on. Yes, yes, yes. And yeah. so we're going to take it back. Um, a bit, and we're, um, I always love um, talking about how people got into finance, what sparked it, uh, you know, was mm-hmm. money, you know, frequently talked about in your household, or did you kind of have to like learn your way around it? <laughs> yeah, so I'm like you, Akua, like my family is not from America, they're West Indian, 
And so I'm first generation American. And so it's very taboo. You don't talk about money at all in the household. Okay. Like that is the grown people business. So you don't, (laughs) you don't talk about that. Your child, you stay in a child place. Okay. So, so, you know, so like money wasn't really, it wasn't, it was very taboo. It wasn't something that we talked about. And so, um, I do remember my experience, my kind of first experiences with money. Um, when I was growing up, my grandmother actually took me um, to like the, my first credit union and set up um, a bank account for me. And that was kind of like my first exposure to like, oh, like there's like this account. And then I save my money in a piggy bank. And then I'll go with my grandmother to the credit union to drop it off. And it sits in my account and then it grows. So that was kind of like that first experience. And then, um, but of course, you know, made a ton of mistakes in college and here we are. <laughs> Had to figure out them coins. Okay. Right. <laughs> That's so cool. And so, yeah, you mentioned in college and, and we know how predatory these companies are on college students. And so did you find yourself, you know, with a lot of personal debt, um, plus, you know, uh, student loans and things like that. And so how did you manage to sort of work your way out of that? Yeah. So, um, my, my dad did talk to me about, uh, you know, credit cards and different things. So like, I was not allowed to get a credit card. Um, I remember, Cause like Moesha came back on Netflix and I remember that episode with her dad, like telling her, you do not use this credit card for anything. She's like, but I got a bailout cue. Like, you know, he got caught up. You remember that episode? Like that stuck with me. Like, And her dad, look, Mr. Mitchell didn't play. Okay. So like, I was like, okay, I don't want to be like Mo in that situation. I can't be bailing out. No, my raggedy boyfriend. Cause he got caught up. Like, I, I gotta what? I gotta say the course, all right? So I'm sorry. I'm, a, oh, I'm this is me all the time. I'm having flashbacks. <laughs> right? <laughs> Look, he was bad. But like I remember that. So my my dad um did give me something that was called a Visa Bucks card um growing up. And that was like a teenage debit card for I guess from Visa. And so it was a debit card that your parents could load money on. And then of course, once the money's gone, there's no money left over. But that was kind of like an exercise for me to manage my money well. So I never had credit card debt. I did get my first credit card when I was in college, but uh, never used it for anything, um, honestly. What I left college with was about $40,000 in student loans. So the credit card thing wasn't really a major player until I, I grew up and then started making money and thought, oh, it's credit. But um, yeah, <laughs> the student loans were my big, my big issue graduating college. Gotcha, gotcha. Cool, cool, yeah. Shout out to Moesha. <laughs> <laughs> Lessons learned. Like, like that, that's why I'm so passionate about like, you know, financial literacy in kids because there are so many influential places from music to television to books that kids will remember, right? So they might not remember everything, but they'll remember those little moments that like that, I mean, that stuck with me like to not use credit, you know, in college um, because I just remember Mo, like she got in trouble and I was like, I cannot have 
my West Indian parents getting <laughs> mad at me because I ran up some credit card bill that I can't pay back. So um, I think those were such valuable lessons and uh, that we should be talking about constantly, you know, so that this next generation of youth coming up, like they don't have to make those same mistakes that we did. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, that that's awesome. And, you know, with and again, like you mentioned, many of us have experienced in our households, you know, parents are like, we don't talk about money and that's just the way it is. Yeah. <laughs> we don't have it. And that's why you need to know us. Right. And so a lot of people feel as though children and younger people, they can't understand financial concepts because they don't have uh, financial responsibilities. They don't have steady mm-hmm. income and things like that. And so how so why did you start writing you know children's literacy books and you know, because essentially the market is bigger for you know millennials and people and adults right. and our age and stuff like that so right. why did you start writing for very young children right so um i did some research so i'm a certified financial education instructor and i did some research about um, just financial literacy and the ages and so children can understand like basic money concepts at the age of three um and I feel like these kids they're like way smarter I mean they they can do it they can do the 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 tablet and the iPhone I mean give them iPhone they know how to switch you know to YouTube and switch to the different channels like they are very very smart and I think we just need to equip them with the right tools at the the right cognitive learning stage so whatever level is appropriate for that age range, I think is, is absolutely doable, but I don't think the conversation should start later just because they're younger. Um, I mean, kids understand the importance of value, right? They, they understand the importance of like fun. I mean, uh, when I was a kid, I was like, mom, let's go to Disney world. So I understood this idea of fun. I maybe didn't associate it with this cost, but I did understand, oh, Disney world equals fun. Let's go, you know? And so from there, you can break down, okay, well, we're planning a trip and this is why we're planning it. We're, we're not just going to um, Google flights and paying a thousand dollars today for this trip. This is why we have to plan and prepare. Why? Because mommy and daddy or, or mommy and, and whoever have to figure out a plan to get to the trip. Why do we plan? Because money is important, right? We work very hard for the money. And so we need to put away because we get paid every month, um, every two weeks, we need to put away money to reach our goal. Things aren't just instant, right? Um, Just like the child, right? The child isn't instant. The child didn't go from a baby to a five-year-old. It took years of growth and development for the child to get to the age of five. And so Breaking it down really simply, um, I think will absolutely benefit a child. Absolutely. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's a really important point that you bring up. I think it's about time we stop underestimating our children and their capabilities. Absolutely. They are very capable. <laughs> and absolutely. Every, day, so. every single day. I mean, we can learn from youth. I learn from youth all the time. I mean, I, I definitely learn from Gen Z like every day just because they just have, I feel like just a different perspective than 
us growing up, like I grew up before the internet and then, you know, as the internet was slowly yeah. with the AOL disc, you know, yeah. and AIM, a- a- yeah, AOL, AOL, <laughs> hello, we had to wait for this, like, right. they had this Wi-Fi, you just show up, boom, right. Wi-Fi, what, we had to really, are you on the phone? Like, I'm trying to get on the internet, right. you know? <laughs> like, so like, we had a different perspective versus them, like, all they know is the internet and kind of this speed of technology and it, everything's evolving and moving so fast. So I definitely, I mean, it's so important. Um, their kids are not getting the tools that they need in schools. Um, some schools are teaching financial literacy, but those principles need to be reinforced at home. So that way they can grow up and have a solid financial foundation as an adult. Yes, yes, that is very true. Um, I hope that that conversation continues to spread because I certainly know I did not learn a thing about finances in high school, none in college. <laughs> so, right. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. And so, hmm. And this amazing book that you came out with, A Boy, A Budget, and a Dream. Can we talk yeah. a little bit about that and who the target audience is and a little bit about the yeah. story? We won't give the whole thing away, but. <laughs> right. So, um, so I know you mentioned that your uh, podcast is faith-based and um, I had been writing a book uh, for about seven years and it took seven years because I was getting in my own way and I'm like, Lord, no, I'm not a writer. Ooh, it's too much, you know, all this imposter syndrome. And so I dropped that book in February. That's called Set Your Truth Free and um, February, 2020. So pandemic hit a month later. And um, I had written this like children's story in my car. So I was driving home. I got in my garage um, and the Lord literally put in my spirit like this book about these two characters, Joey and Cass. And this is story about money. And I was like, what? Like, what is going on? (laughs) It took me seven years to write this book, this first one. Like, Lord, you give me another one? Like... (laughs) Okay, but man, it was it was such a blessing because I was like, wow, like this is such a cool story. Like, so then I started doing research on like financial literacy books, and I just couldn't find any. Like, I couldn't find any up to date children's books that were like focused on real characters. One focused on like you know black indigenous person of color, specifically mm-hmm. black characters. Like, I couldn't find it, and so I was like okay, now I got, and now I have to figure out how to, you know, write a children's book. And honestly, like, I know it was God because I don't have children, right? I don't, I mean, I have God children, but I don't have children of my own. Like, I really was forced to, like, get outside of my comfort zone. Um, In 2020, I had, like, borrowed over a hundred books from the library, just reading children's books and getting, like, just understanding what children are doing, like, what, what is exciting, what are the New York Times best-selling books? What are the not-so-good books? So that way I can develop as a writer. And I mean, I literally reached out to a New York Times best-selling author when it was when I felt like, okay, it's time to write this book. This was in early 2020. And he wrote me back the next day and told me the steps to write a children's book. New York Times Ooh. best-selling author of 30-plus books that he's <laughs> illustrated and written. And he emailed me back the next day of like, you need to apply. Um, there's a society of children's book writers and illustrators, 
And he was like, you need to sign up for it, a membership, take some classes and, you know, write your book. So I was taking classes with, um, have you heard of the book Hair Love? Yeah. That's mm-hmm. a children's book. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Vashti Harrison, uh, Oscar winning book, um, uh, Blue Ivy narrated the audiobook, yeah. And mm-hmm. so I was taking classes with Vashti Harrison, like on character development and how do you really create a memorable character? And by the way, these classes were provided for free because of the pandemic. And so I didn't have, look, right? All I had to invest in was a membership, you know, a year membership that's very, to me, very inexpensive, but so much value added just by showing up and being in the room with I mean, these award-willing illustrators. I was like, okay, I can do this. I create, I can create a bomb book that's going to resonate with people. And I like specifically wrote wrote it about a boy because I was like, man, I want my godson in this space. It was right around the time with George Floyd, um, the murders that were going on, the murder that went on, and just this tragedy of like, you know black males in this country and I was like man like I want a little boy that looks like me to see himself in the book and so I I was like going back and forth on like what I wanted to call the title and I was like I want it to be a little boy like I want him to have a budget and I want him to have a dream and I want him to see like see himself in it and when I tell you like little boys and girls of all races not just black um boys and girls like they they'll see like the cover and they like immediately dart towards the book. Like if I'm at a vendor event, like they're like immediately drawn to it. Cause I'm like, I just, I just want him to be relatable. He has a high top fade. Like (laughs) he has glasses. Like I want Joey to be relatable, relatable. And that's what people have said. You know, they've shared like, wow. Like I I just haven't seen a book like this before. Mm -hmm. So I'm super grateful. Yeah. But it was definitely God, (laughs) all God. (laughs) Because I love, hmm, I love you explaining the entire story. The journey, yeah. Yeah, because that is really profound because, okay, you get the, you get the, the divine download, right? You're in your car and you're like, absolutely. But then you also take the action to email, you know, top, top selling authors to get in the classes. You study other children's books. So you combine that with the divine download and it's like mm-hmm. yin yin yang and it's just right <laughs> it is perfect absolutely wow. and and I want to add like I wrote that story in 2019 so I put it on the shelf because I didn't know what to do with it like mm-hmm. I didn't know what that was I literally just wrote it down and I was like okay <laughs> let me put it on the shelf I already have the seven year book right like the seven, the book that took me seven years, like that's coming out in February mm-hmm. of 2020. So like, I just put it on the shelf because I just really didn't know what was going on. And um, in 2020, you know, we were forced to be at home and I was teleworking for probably about 50, 50 to 60% of the time. And so once maybe I had, I don't know what it was that made me reach out. I think it was, I had Um, gotten the book before I reached out to the author and I read his book and that's how I was able to email him because I saw his uh, his email on the back Mm -hmm. and it was like if you love this book email me and I did and he (laughs) responded I was like what (laughs) yeah and so it just made me realize that I think the pandemic 
just made me realize that people are accessible and I think we put put people up on this like pedestal and I mean some right like probably can't DM Beyonce she might not respond but she might respond right she might. I'll try she I'll might. let you know how that goes you know what I'm saying? Right? <laughs> but it just made me really dream big and and that's part of the messaging in the book is to dream big mm. Yeah. Wow. I love that. And so with the, um, with the process of, you know, writing the book and then shelving and then having to actually, you know, publish the book, were there, I was wondering this with children's book, were there difficulties with um, getting like the proper illustrator or anything like Mm -hmm. that, or that the process of actually putting the book for publication? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, You know, I, I looked at this whole process, like, I really trusted God, I prayed over, you know, the illustrators. Um, From that, you know, message, you know, I started taking those classes. And then I got connected to this, like, Facebook group online, of like 40,000 authors and illustrators. Yeah, and that's when I I was just like lurking through the comments and just like, Oh, you can do that, you can do that. Um, (laughs) I got hooked up with an author coach named April Cox. And that was something that was really helpful because I could have done this process by myself and it probably would have taken me seven years like it did the first book, right? But I mean, from start to finish, I started the manuscript in 2019 and I was able to publish the book by November, 2020. So incredibly less time, like just (laughs) insanely less time because I had someone who had been through the process before and had just the knowledge of, you know, creating a really great product. Um, And so she sent me a list. uh, She didn't send me, she had a list of different authors or sorry, illustrators. And I had kind of sought out some illustrators um, on Instagram. And I really prayed about like, you know, the top five. And then I looked at the process, you know, I looked at like, how was their communication from the beginning? How much their samples were, you know, did, did they really listen to direction of like the vision that I wanted? Um, and my illustrator, shout out to Jose Nieto. Um, he just captured my character so well. And like, you know, the directions. And I was like, no, we got, we got to make the little girl, like she has to be dark skinned. Like you got to put some color on her. All right. Like she got to look like me. She has to look like me. She got to have kinky hair. Like you know, I have 4C hair. I need her to have 4C hair as well. Like she mm-hmm. needs to have coily, just the kinks got to be flowing, like mm-hmm. flourishing. And so um, I was like, you know, very intentional, intentional about her and very intentional about, you know, I didn't want them to be like, oh, we don't know what kind of who who they are. Like, I, no, they, these are black kids. Like, I want right. them to be black kids. Mm-hmm. I want them to be celebrated. I mean, the fact that people are like, oh, I love Joey. I love Cass. Like, they they are literally like, these are like Disney characters like in Kanto, you yes. know? Like, <laughs> I love that. I love that. Like, I want them to like resonate with these characters because they're real. They, they have real emotions. They have real stories and so I really wanted them to like jump out at the page so yeah that I mean he was amazing from the beginning like just super and and it was his first book so we were literally like doing this together (laughs) yeah we're doing this together like and it went so smooth he was so professional very unorganized like 
I couldn't have asked for a better illustrator because I feel like that could have easily been, you know, oh, I'm never doing this again. Um, if my experience wasn't a great, but wasn't that great, but um, he was such a great person to work with. And what I've noticed, like in this space of authorship, man, authors are so one, they're very well connected, but also they're so supportive. Like it's nothing but a DM. Like literally, I can't say that I haven't had an author like help me or encourage me or send me or retweet myself or reshare my, mm-hmm. my content. Like the author community, I think people know how hard it is to get sales. Like an average author on in the lifetime of a book will sell 200 books in the lifetime of that oh, book, wow. 200, wow. 200. So wow. I mean, hmm. like, so it's hard, you know, to sell your book because especially when you don't have, you're not signed to an agent. Um, I'm an independent author. So I uh, pay for everything up front. I'm invested in this project to push it out to the world. And then hopefully somebody buys the book and then, you know, I'm able to kind of, I wouldn't say make my money back, but I'm able to sell and then um, gain royalties or compensation that way. But it's, it's really, I mean, literally some days I feel like I'm, you know, in the back of my truck with a mixtape, like by my, yes. you know, by yeah, my mixtape, like, yeah. for real, like I have books in the car, like yes. books already in the Stay car, ready. Like, <laughs> right? I have my square, like we can do the transaction right now. Okay. Yes. Like, but it's real. Like you, mm-hmm. you know, all the marketing, all the, the publishing, putting it together, you're the art designer, you're the cover, you know, I, so I don't do my own graphics, but I'm the one who gives the direction and it's a lot. So I'm really, truly grateful for the author community because man, they, they are my biggest outside of my family and my friends, you know, I would say they're like my biggest, like cheerleaders just rooting me on to, to keep going. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's, that's really awesome. And I'm kind of seeing some sort of similarities because I used to I do some acting. And so I'm seeing kind of some similarities mm-hmm. between like authorship and it's all part of like artistry and things like yeah. that. Yeah. Absolutely. So finding that like that nice, you know, perfect ground. And then, um, you know, you also you also are in the military as well. You know, thank mm-hmm. you for your service. Shout Absolutely. Out to you. <laughs> thank and, you. You know, I'm curious has your experience or your time in the military influenced like your ideas on money or personal finance or anything like that? Um, yeah, for sure. You know, I mean, I, (laughs) I came into the military because they paid for school. Um, I was really, really broke in college. And so I was able to receive scholarships and have my college paid for. I still ended up, um, with student loans because, The scholarship didn't cover all of the expenses, um, but it covered a majority of them, which was awesome. Gotcha. Um, mm-hmm. But definitely, I mean, the different benefits, I've been able to take advantage of, you know, all the different benefits that they offer. Um, was able to buy my first property at 23. Nice. And yeah. And, you know, I, I definitely am grateful, you know, just to have the stability that, that I had at the time. I, I didn't have... Um, wasn't making a lot of money when I first came in, but I was really determined when I graduated college because I ended up uh, kind of in a, I guess, a rock and a hard place, uh, ended up not doing really well with my money, not managing it well. And so found myself 
you know, jumping from like friends couches and their different uh, living situations because I just didn't have, you know, a permanent housing situation at the time. And I remember like making a promise to myself after college that I was going to figure out how to do better with my money. Like I had to, like, I was like, I cannot live like this. And so I've been grateful for the community that the military offers because we're, for the most part, military members are pretty tight knit. It is like a family, your family away from family. And so I was able to have roommates um, my first year, you know, entering in my first assignment and that I was able to, you know, cut my expenses drastically because Mm -hmm. I didn't have, you know, I was only paying a third of the rent, you know? And so I was able to really stack up. I had, I created a really healthy savings account um, and then started really aggressively attacking my, my debt after that. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that yeah, that is so that is so important. That is, you know, really um, you know, beneficial that you were able to, you know, take advantage of um, you know, the military benefits and you know, also um being able to like, stay with your family in your early 20s. And I recently um I was snooping on your Instagram and I saw <laughs> I saw a what did you see? <laughs> A really interesting post. And it said, can we normalize asking family friends to purchase property instead of putting it on the market? Investors are winning and will more than likely not pay the top price. Please open opportunities to family and friends. And I've been seeing this sort of trickling in the, you know, Instagram space, you know, don't sell grandma's house type of thing. And so I was wondering if you could like expound a bit on that and kind of explain, you know, kind of your, uh, your thought process with that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, so I believe it's um, the Brookings Institute and I don't want to misquote it, but it talks about, um, it talks about the, the wealth gap between uh, black people and then white people and um, it talks about like the amount. So this is uh, from Brookings um, edu. edu, and this was published in 2020. So things uh, are maybe different in 2021 into 2022. But um, it says that the net worth of a typical Caucasian family is 171,000, while uh, the net worth of an African-American household is about $17,000. So that right there, mm. that gap is, is, you know, 10 times greater, right? Mm-hmm. And so where that come from, where, where the net worth comes from, assets, right? So assets minus liabilities gets you your net worth. Usually assets are usually property, you know, just not having property. Um, or having property that's been passed down from generation to generation, land that's been passed down from generation to generation. And so if friends and family have the ability to buy, I think it's that's important um, because, I mean, that's where you see a lot of gentrification, a lot of uh, communities being just completely changed. Like, I mean, I, I went to, um, I would go to New York 
all the time um, to get my hair done when I was growing up. And I remember Harlem being a totally different Harlem than it is now. Like Harlem did not have a Whole Foods, Starbucks even. Like we it just didn't. And so there's just a lot of changes and it nothing wrong with that, right? Like that helps the the community just kind of get revitalized and kind of shift. But I think that it's important uh, this next generation, like it's important to own property. It's important to have assets that you can potentially pass down. So why not look within your network before kind of putting it on the market? Um, that's just, that's my opinion. Um, those are my words, not anybody else's. I just, that's just in my opinion. It's, I think it's very important that as a whole, <clears throat> not race, uh, there, there's no race specific. I think it's, it's just important that as we are, you know, getting these great careers and we're getting, becoming educated, I think it's just really, really important to be able to pass something down um, to that next generation. So they have, they have an easier landing than the, the generation previous to them. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah, that is profound. I think <sighs> instant gratification, you know, versus delayed is really <laughs> at yeah. the heart of that decision. Because sure. I remember hearing about a woman in, um, and it's a black woman. I believe she was in, well, she was somewhere on the East coast. I wish I could remember like her name, but she was like somewhere out in Jersey and mm-hmm. like her great grandmother, you know, bought a house for like pennies on the dollar and they yeah. saved it throughout the generation. Now the house is worth like millions. And so mm-hmm. no, she's in, she's in Jersey. So we know houses yeah. are out there in Jersey. So right. definitely if we can, if we can see the long-term, you know, <laughs> trajectory. Absolutely. You gotta be more sure. alongside it. Mm-hmm. And even not just from like appreciation standpoint, because appreciation of course will happen, but also like that's a place for someone to stay. So like if someone ends up not having, you know, being out for some reason, they're just not able to have or be able to provide shelter. Like that's a way for the family to kind of continue helping the family, you know, mm-hmm. by having that space. Um, if it's not, if it's available. So I, I just think there's just so many uses for it um, that, yeah, I think we we just kind of see the dollar signs versus like what this could be for, for someone else down the road. Um, and I think what's really important is also the maintenance, like maintenance of the house. I think that's why a lot of people end up selling because they don't want to deal with the roof and you know, the foundation or they have um, maybe mold issues or whatever. And I think that's, that's why, again, having those hard conversations, um, talking about it, how do you ensure that you're able to sustain this over time? But that maintenance has to be a part of that plan too. So we're doing, you know, the roof's got to be done every 15 to 20 years. So let's ensure that we are saving the money to do the roof. You know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. we know that the water heater has an expiration date. Um, you know, the furnace has an expiration. Date. AC has an expiration date. And this is just for homeowners now. Like if you plan to stay in that home for X amount of years, like these, these are things that are going to happen. Like it should not be a surprise. Like right, right. <laughs> they're going to happen. Yeah. Um, just prepare yourself. You can start putting money away, you know, in your house. A maintenance emergency fund um, so that way you can 
you're able to, you know, afford the things that you need. So you're not waiting, you know, years and years to fix something. You already have that money saved over time. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah, making, you know, setting aside money, making provisions before absolutely. things start <laughs> messing yeah. up and breaking up. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah, and so, because hmm, I know that you, um, you know, you um, educate, you know, children about finances, but you also help adults as well. And so yeah. um, I know that you've helped um, your clients pay off, you know, over $300,000 in debt. So like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, that is absolutely. Awesome. And so there is also a lot of debate about, you know, well, if I have debt, should I be investing? Mm-hmm. Should I do both at the same time? And so I'd be curious to also know your thoughts about that as well. Yeah, I think it's definitely dependent on the person and just their discipline. Like what, how do they feel they are with managing their money? Um, I think you can do both simultaneously. Um, maybe not, maybe not investing as aggressively. Um, I'm, I'm the proponent of, or the advocate for like paying off the debt. So you just don't have it. I feel like it's such a burden. Um, but if you want to maybe keep it or, you know, maybe pay it off slower. I do think there are ways to both pay the debt down, but also still invest. Maybe just not, you know, just not as the rate that you would. But I I do think there's, if you have room, I say to pay off the debt, you probably have room to invest too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, cool. All right. Well, I mean, Jasmine, this has been, you know, fantastic. And I just, I feel like I love your energy and it's, Aww, and I feel, yeah, and I feel like I, I understand like why you, you know, like why God led you to write children's book. You have like this infectious, like young, like, I don't know. It's this, <laughs> I almost wish you guys could see it. Like it's like a different, you know, it's just a very lively, young, vivacious, yeah. like, like vibe about you so as you look back you know on your life you know being in college couch surfing and being military and everything like that yeah (laughs) writing your book and you know is there anything that you think like oh man I wish I would have done this differently or wish I would have changed this about my path so far Hmm. that's a good question wow um I would say I wish I was a lot more bolder. Um, Yeah, I feel like in college I was super bold. And I think while I was younger, I was bold. But I feel like the more I got older, the more conservative I became with my decisions and the things that I wanted to do. And so I wish I was just more bold. And I know people who know me are like, Jasmine, you've done so much. (laughs) Like... I get it. I get it. But I don't know. I look back now and I'm like, man, like, I feel like there's so much that I could have done, but I'm grateful for all of the experiences I've had. I, I definitely believe God had me in different seasons for a reason. And, um, but I, I just wish I would have like been more bold, but I'm putting myself out there to try. And I feel like that's how I was as a kid. So it's like becoming you know, becoming a kid again, kind of being fearless and just trusting that the Lord has me. And I truly, truly believe that God has given every single person on this earth 
purpose. He has given them the tools, one that they need, but also a purpose to live out. And like, we have to live out that purpose. And so why not show up bold? Why not show up fearless? Like he literally like designed you to do whatever it is that you're supposed to be doing on this earth. So why not show up in the best version of you in the fearless version of you? Because I mean, I, I feel like at the end of the day, like what happens? Like, oh, you fail. Okay. Then you try again, you know, mm-hmm. but I think that's important. Like we have to show up bold because somebody is counting on us. Like somebody is listening to the Dem Coins podcast and it's counting on Akua to show up, mm-hmm. to show up as her bright self, to show up as this bold host, to ask those hard questions. Like, because mm-hmm. somebody's breakthrough is relying on an episode, right? Like somebody's like, yes to doing different things is relying on your episode of showing up you know and so I think like we have that responsibility for someone whoever it is we may never know we never may may never meet them I do think we have a responsibility to show up as bold as a fearless I'm telling you if people show up like that I feel like it would solve a lot of problems in this world yes it will yes it will yeah Solve a lot. Yes. Yeah. That's a word. Get a little. <laughs> <laughs> Jasmine wasn't supposed to do that. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But I. Oh, that like, is so true. It's so true, though. Yeah. Yeah. If yeah. I mean, could you a world where everyone was living their purpose? Man, that would be insane. That would be wild. Exactly. Yeah. Ooh. I mean, because mm. there's so much, I feel like there's a lot of complacency. There's a lot of doubt. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of comparison. You know, you're looking at everybody's social media, like I'm not this. And I, I have imposter syndrome too. Like I'm not this person that's like, yeah, I speak <laughs> it and I'm living it too. Right. I do there part of the time. Mm-hmm. I do part of it. But there are times like I need, you know, people to pour into me and encourage me as well. And so I just, I just feel like, man, if people can get that, they can get into their purpose, whatever it is, whew, mm-hmm. change. There will be so much change. Awesome. And, and so do you have any um, sort of like affirmations or like sticky notes with positive things or anything that like keeps you up when you're feeling like blah, you know? <laughs> um, mm, I don't. That's something that... Um, my, I would say mentor has actually told me today um, that I need to get. Uh, so I'm, I'm working on that. I don't, um, yeah, I need to do better at that. I do read a devotional every morning. Uh, so I pray every morning and I read a devotional and that's usually what kind of charges me. But I think I also do need to get into like more of a growth you know, mindset ready to kind of like take over the day and um, really get out of like a limited, you know, mindset. So that's definitely something I'm working on. Um, So if anybody has any like really growth, uh, you know, mindset, abundance, mindset, affirmations, that would be awesome. But I, I, I don't have it just yet, but I can follow up with you. All right. That was my homework. (laughs) I will follow up. (laughs) Cool, cool, cool. And, you know, a lot of us, you know, we recharge with food. And so I always ask, what's your favorite food or drink? (laughs) It's between like West Indian food and Japanese food. Um, I would say for Japanese food, just 
ramen, any type of ramen is like my go-to. And then West Indian food, mm. flying fish from Barbados, mm-hmm. fried <laughs> flying fish. Man, I don't even like fried foods like that, but fried flying fish or like broiled or baked, Ooh, just flying fish that is seasoned really well. And you can get it from the Oyston, Oyston's fish fry down um, in Oyston's and Barbados, like Oh my gosh, like that and some macaroni pie mm. and some plantains on the side. Oh. Mm. <laughs> In heaven. Like, oh, it's so good. Like my sister and I, we were um, we were like visiting family in Barbados and we went to the Oysters Fish Fry three nights in a row. Like, <laughs> went to the same. We went to the same restaurant. Oh, like, I blame you. <laughs> three nights. Like, oh, you back? We went to flying fish and the macaroni pie. Okay. Yes. <laughs> Give it <laughs> all to me. Give it all to me. <laughs> She's there, y'all. Y'all can see. Her. I'm there. You can't <laughs> see me. Look, if I can be on like Miami Beach or any of the beaches, there, it's just so beautiful. It's you just the water is really warm. The sun is amazing. The beaches are white. It's mm, amazing. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jeb, this has been just very, very heartfelt, very just warm. I feel so Aww. there's certain episodes where I just feel very full and like just very <laughs> very That's full so and so good. I thank you so much for your time and just um inspiration and I actually know some people who want to write children's books so I may reach out to you about those individuals yeah, let's connect yeah. for sure but thank you so much I appreciate you thank you for allowing me to to share your space and share this community that you have cultivated and created. I appreciate it. I think it's so important that our stories are shared, especially with money, because something might resonate with someone to want to like, like, I don't know, ignite that spark to do whatever they need to do um, when it comes to their finances. So I, I appreciate you and the Dem Coins I podcast. I appreciate <laughs> you so much. Awesome. Yes, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> And that concludes another episode. Oh, love Jasmine. She's like the sweetest person ever. And she's absolutely hilarious. Look, I'm just glad I wasn't the only one watching Moesha thinking about how they were going to bail out their little jailbird boyfriend. Okay. (laughs) Definitely feel free to reach out to her and buy her book. Yes, I'm going to buy it for my nephews. Buy it for your children's. Buy it for everybody. Okay. Link in the bio as well as on the website. Um, y'all and my favorite takeaway is when we were discussing the Instagram post about you know not selling grandmama's house right um yeah a lot of wealth is passed down through real estate I'm not saying it's the only way but it's a historical way of passing down some serious wealth and some serious legacy so if you've got a house and you're not quite sure what to do with it Maybe there are some other options that you can consider before you, you know, you just give it away to a wholesaler or you just give up on the home, right? See if you can work it out with your cousins and your aunties and your relatives and them, okay? So y'all be blessed. Until next time.
And that pretty much wraps up today's episode. Thank you for joining me. I hope you got some new insights or maybe you just got some confirmation on a couple of things. Let your girl know. Feel free to reach out to me via email, hello at demcoinsonline.com. Also feel free to check us out on Instagram, dem.coins. If you have any good topics, cool new strategies, let me know. And while you're at it, feel free to write an awesome five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Tell your friends about me, okay? (laughs) I am so excited for all of us on this journey. And until next time, stay encouraged.